Good morning and welcome to the sanctuary here at Bright Temple. We pray that each of you are safe and healthy and well. Pray God's favor over you and everyone that is associated with you in your home, to your family and your friends. We praise God for you. I pray today that if you're not living encouraged, that something through the song that you've heard already or something that we share from our Father on this morning will be of encouragement to you, that it will lift up your head, that it will strengthen you, that it will cause you, your light, to shine a little bit brighter, cause you to be a little more encouraged and be a blessing so that you can encourage someone else. We're finishing up our series this morning that we've been sharing all month on commitment issues. Really looking forward to next Sunday. Next Sunday is Easter Sunday. It's Easter Sunday. And not only will we be celebrating our Lord and Savior, but we want to invite each of you to join with us. Not only will we be streaming virtually, but also we will be in person on next Sunday morning. If you want to join with us and connect with us, just, just become part of our, our stream, become part of our family on next Sunday. Just text 66866, text Bright Temple to 66866. Connect with us. We will connect with you and let you know everything that is necessary for you to join us for our first in-person service of the year for 2021. So excited and glad to come back into the house of the Lord and to have see so many of your faces. And I pray that you will join us in person for those who, who can. It's no pressure for those who do not wish to join. If you do not feel comfortable, if you do not feel safe, you can continue to stream with us from home. But for each of you, those who are not experiencing symptoms, who have not been in contact with a person who has contracted the virus and you're safe with, and symptom-free, please feel free to join us in the sanctuary on next Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, the first Sunday of the month of April. God has blessed us and we are thankful that you'll have an opportunity, if you will have take an opportunity to come and see us and be with us. We've missed your faces for so long, and we're grateful for an opportunity for you to be back with us. Again, we'll be live in the sanctuary in person on next Sunday, which is Easter Sunday morning, and we pray that you'll join us here at 10 a.m. We will not have our in-person Sunday school, but we will have our in-person worship, worship service at 10 a.m., next Sunday morning, which is Easter Sunday. Please come and join us. We look forward to you being with us on next Sunday. Again, for those who, of you who are not connected, if you want to connect and be with us on next Sunday, feel free. Just text Bright Temple, all together one word, to 66866, and we will keep you informed on what's necessary to be with us in person on next Sunday. And we look forward with great anticipation. I'm excited right now just thinking about the prospect of seeing your shining blessed faces as we try on next Sunday to encourage you in the Word. On this Sunday, we're closing out our series on commitment issues we've been sharing all month long. On last week, you heard us share commitment issues part three. And we were talking about pursuit and we specifically spoke about the woman with the issue of blood and how she pursued after Jesus. And before then, we talked about brokenness and what was your level of brokenness. So last week, we kind of put some pieces together. We went from brokenness to pursuit, going from a place of hurt and realizing you still have to pick yourself up and go after what God anticipates from you. And we're moving to this Sunday from brokenness to pursuit to resilience. Because even after you get back up, there will be challenges in your way. So the final version and the conclusion of our series this morning to commitment issues that we've been sharing all month, we're going to talk about resilience. Before we start, can, may I pray with you? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for these few moments of destiny. Lord, that you have allowed, that you have permitted. And Lord, it's such a joy to be here in this moment, to be alive, to be contemplating our future, to be contemplating our direction. Lord, to be planning our spiritual journey on this morning and correcting our errors from the past week. And we thank you for the grace and mercy to do just that. Lord, as 
our own passions and our own desires and our own plans are confronted by your word on this morning. Help us to grab hold of your word. Allow it to be a lamp, the GPS, the light to our feet. That it may guide us along your path that you have designed for each and every one of us. Lord, let us be aware and conscious in this moment. Let us not leave this moment the same way that we came. In Jesus' name, amen, and God bless you. When thinking of resilience, I could not help but think of a particular pericope that we find in the Word of God in Matthew chapter 15, starting at verse 21. A story that's familiar to some regarding what Matthew terms the Canaanite woman, but Mark and others call the Syrophoenician woman, a woman from the region of Tyre and Sidon, close to where Jesus was traveling along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, several miles from Jerusalem and from Nazareth. As he traveled along that area, we pick up the story here in Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. And I'll be reading from the English Standard Version as you follow along with us. And the word of the Lord says, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away. For she is crying after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. And the word of the Lord is blessed. I want to talk to you for a few moments relative to our theme for this month, our series for this month, Commitment Issues. Remember the commitment issues that even in our series this month, it fits into our overall theme for the year. We're talking about forward, going forward, and moving forward. We're talking about it as it relates to us committing to what God desires from us. We have to be committed. We have to resolve our own issues of commitment before we can move forward into what God desires for us, to what God wants for us. There are things that prevent us from going forward. There are issues that sometimes, if we do not resolve them, we get stuck where we are. We cannot move into where God desires us to be because we're yet resolving some matters from our past. And until we resolve these matters from our past, we cannot move forward into what God desires from us. We have to resolve our own commitment issues. We have to make sure that we have resolved old relationships. We have to make sure that our focus is completely forward, forgetting those things. Remember Philippians, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward into those things which are before so that we can press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. We have to let our past go, make sure that our focus is totally towards God. Make sure that our focus is totally forward before we can move into what God desires for us. We have to resolve our own commitment issues. And that has been the purpose of this series. We talked about it in the realm of brokenness. We talked about it in the realm of pursuit. And we spoke about it, and we will be talking about it today in the realm of being resilient. 
That means getting past even the hurdles that we will face after we go forward. And that's something we have to understand. Even after you have committed to go forward, there will yet be hurdles in your way. Sometimes in the morning, the hardest thing to do as a relative to exercise is just getting up, getting up and doing it. Getting up and getting out there to run, getting up and going to the gym. Sometimes that's the hardest part. Yet after you make that commitment to get up, to get out, to go exercise, you still will be confronted by tension. You still will be confronted by resistance after you get to the gym. So, yes, you've gotten past the hardest part, but yet resist, resistance will come. You're going to face adversity after you've committed to go, after you've committed to pursue. Even on last week, we spoke about the woman who had the issue of blood. She was committed. She had, remember, she had a singular focus. She had a very short mission statement. Find Jesus, touch Jesus, be healed. Very sharp focus. She actually found him. And then after she found him, when she got there, she still encountered resistance. She had to push her way through the press, through the crowd, through the people who were thronging Jesus. Just because she got up and committed herself to pursue and just because she had a clearly focused mission did not mean she would not still encounter adversity. So I'm trying to encourage somebody. You committed to get up. You committed to do it. You're committed to go forward. You're focused on your goal and your plan. Don't think the road will always be smooth because even after you've done all of that, you will yet encounter resistance. And here this woman, I want you to think of this woman and, and, and I intentionally use this text so that we can draw parallels from what happened on last week. The woman with the issue of blood, she, she had a, a sharp focused mission statement. And who says that this woman didn't have a similar focus? Maybe her focus was similar to that woman with the issue of blood. Maybe she said in her mind, if I can find Jesus, if I can convince him to heal my daughter, she'll be healed. If I can just find Jesus, tell him about my problem, tell him about my situation, then my daughter will be healed. He is the solution to my problem. He is the answer to everything that I need. She may have had that similar focus and had that, that similar, that singular mindset to go after what she needed for her daughter. Many parallels to the woman with the issue of blood. And maybe she was just looking for Jesus. She did not have to be convinced that Jesus could heal. There was no need for Jesus to demonstrate that. If anything, as we find in our text, she had to convince Jesus to heal her daughter. He didn't have to convince her of who he was. Very interesting because if you take that, because you have to watch those people who are close to you, this is a woman he did not know who was completely convinced that he was our Savior and had the power to heal and to deliver. Draw a parallel between her and Mary. Remember Jesus, and he, 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 he had heard that his good friend, Lazarus, had died. And then he waits until, well, he heard that Lazarus was sick, and then he waited until Lazarus had died. He arrives four days later. And when he gets there, his good buddies that he visits all the time, Martha and Mary, they confront him. Martha's confronting Jesus and saying, had you been here, my, my brother would not have died. But Jesus said, I, you know, he, he, he explains to her that he, shall, he is not dead, but he shall arise. And then Martha was explaining to Jesus, who is the word, there, there's such, such, such irony there. She's trying to explain the word to the word manifested in itself. John said in him was the word. He is the word, the living word. And he is the word. And she's trying to tell the word, get this, what the Bible says or what the word means. Then Jesus retorts to her. She said, I, I, I know that he'll get up one day. But Jesus said, woman, I am the resurrection and the life. If a, man were, if a man were dead, though he were dead, yet shall he live again. And he that liveth and believeth on me shall never die. He's having to explain to a person who he has close communion with, who he's a good friend of, of his power and his authority. Someone he visits all the time, he had to explain who he was. But yet to the Syrophoenician woman, 
who somebody probably had to tell which one of them was Jesus. She didn't, because they, they didn't have internet. They didn't have uh, Snapchat, Facebook. They heard of Jesus. They heard. They didn't know what he looked like. There wasn't a picture of Jesus circulating around the area. Somebody had to probably tell her, yeah, that one, that one in the middle, that's Jesus. Didn't know Jesus. Probably couldn't have recognized him without help. But yet she completely trusted and believed in his power and his authority to heal her daughter. She had a faith that even seemed greater than Martha and Mary, those who were even close to Jesus. This woman came begging. This woman came on a mission. And what was her plan? This woman did three things, and we'll break down those three things, and then we will be through. This woman cried after Jesus. This woman knelt and worshiped Jesus. And this woman humbled herself and believed in Jesus. She cried after Jesus. She knelt and worshiped him. She humbled herself and showed her faith in our Savior. What does she do first? Well, first she cries after him. It says it said there in verse 22, and a woman, a Canaanite woman or a Syrophoenician woman says she came from that region crying out after him. Oh, Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. Have mercy on me, oh Lord. Have mercy on me. She cried to Jesus for mercy. She cried to Jesus for him to intervene on behalf of her daughter. She petitioned Jesus relative to mercy, saying that I'm not earning or deserving your favor in this moment. But I'm petitioning you out of the depth of my turmoil, out of the depth of my pain to intervene on my behalf. She cried after him, but. When she cried after him, his response to her was that he simply ignored her. He simply ignored her. Has anybody been there where you've been in a situation where you felt like your pain, your problem, your turmoil, the depth of your hurt was simply being ignored? That nobody saw what you were going through, and many, in an honest moment, would say that you would even question God as to why he would allow you to be in that moment or even yet, better yet, why would he allow you to be in that moment for so long? Why did it seem like you were being ignored? How do you respond when it seems like your last chance closes the door? Been there where it seems like this is the last door, this is the last chance, this is my last opportunity? And the door is closed and I cannot get in. I do not have hope, any hope of going forward. Have any of you been here, been there, felt like your last hope was extinguished? Your last chance was gone. The thing that, the, upon which you hinged your, your, your hope and yet it passes away. It goes by the wayside. I have good news for anybody who, who has felt that any time in your life. If you've ever felt that, I want to remind you of a couple of things. One, you obviously should know. Number one, you're still here. Despite seeming like you missed out on your last opportunity, your last chance, you're still here. And now I want to contextualize the fact that you're still here. If you're still here, then you yet have purpose. God yet has a design for you. And even when the thing that you desired seemed like it won't happen, when your plan seemed to fail, I want you to know that God yet has a plan. God yet makes a way. Understand that. God doesn't just show you a way. God has the power. He, he's, he's omnipotent. He has all power. God can create a way where there currently is no way. To understand that is to, to give yourself hope in desperate situations where it seems like there is no way out. If you're looking with your own eyes and your own vision and your own perception, using your own senses, you're correct in your assessment that there is no way possible out of the situation that I'm in right now. I do not see a way. 
But don't get confused like the servant of Elisha. Remember, Elijah told the little boy, Elijah, he, told, he said that there, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. And then he told the little boy to go out up over the cliff and to look out over the sky and see if he sees any signs of rain. Young man looks out there and he says there is nothing. Now, I want you to understand that there is nothing is a declaration. It's not an observation. There's a difference between declarations and observations. There is nothing, meaning that he's trying to extinguish the possibility of what Elisha had heard as even coming to pass. There's a difference between there is nothing and I see nothing. And I want to make sure that you make that distinction in your own lives. When you get to a place of hopelessness, hopelessness, when you get to a place where you don't see any other options, when you get to a place where you feel like every door has been closed in your face and there is no way out. Don't get to a place where you make declarations that are in contradiction to what God has told you. It's okay to say, I see nothing, but don't declare there is nothing because there is a difference. The difference is there is nothing is a declaration that extinguishes hope. Whereas, whereas I see nothing simply shows the limitations of your senses. I don't see it. But I thank God there's a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of songs that incorporated. One song that we sing in our, our tradition is that God it says, he's never failed me yet. Yet is often left, uh, left as a possibility. I don't see anything yet. There's a possibility. The possibility that something is coming, I just do not see it. I have not perceived it. I have not yet observed it. I don't see an open door I don't see an open door is different from saying there is no open door. Maybe you just don't see it. Maybe God is creating a way for you that you simply have not perceived or observed. I have that faith in God that believes that even when I see all closed doors in front of me, I believe that God is on the other side of one of them. He's waiting for me to get to where I need to be, waiting for me to get in my right position before he opens the door that he's designed for me to walk through. Don't lose hope. If you're still here, that last closed door means nothing because you yet have purpose. You're yet here for a reason. And God yet is making a way for you, even when you do not see it. This woman felt like her last door was closing as she went to Jesus. And as she approached him, he ignored her request. He ignored her petition for mercy. But yet she was not deterred. And I want to encourage somebody when it seems like that last door closes, do not be deterred from your mission. Do not be deterred from going forward. Some things I, I don't want you to become lost or complacent in that moment. I want to, I want to give you something in, in, in terms of encountering a no. I want to give you this. If you have not encountered a no, you're not dreaming big enough. If you've never encountered a no in all the things that you desire from God, that God has told you he's going to do in your life. If nobody has ever told you no, you're not dreaming big enough. Because all of the great men and women who got to where they are at some point, somebody told them no. Somebody told them no. It was, it, it, it was Edison who said that he found thousands of ways not to make a light bulb before he found one material that worked. He said, I didn't think of those as thousands of failures. He just said, I, found, I, I considered those thousands of ways not to get to where I was going. They weren't failures. I kept going. And despite falling and despite closed doors and despite hearing no, you have to keep going. We all often hear the story of Michael, Je Michael Jordan, great, one of the greatest basketball players of all time. He, he, I think he, he was relegated to the junior varsity squad, couldn't even make the varsity team at his high school. 
now one of the greatest scorers and greatest basketball players of all time. But he, he encountered a no. Abraham Lincoln, he had trouble making it into the, his own state house of representatives to be elected. Before he persevered to become one of the greatest, most esteemed presidents that we ever know, one of the most esteemed leaders of the world. But he encountered a no. I'm telling you, if you don't encounter a no, you're not dreaming big enough. You have to be resilient enough to persevere through the no. Will you keep running after they tell you no? Will you keep dreaming after they tell you no? Will you keep praying after you hear a no? Will you lose faith in God after you hear no? Tell you again, you're not dreaming big enough. Your, your vision of yourself is not large enough. I say it this way, you hadn't, you hadn't really walked out in faith until somebody told you you were crazy. You hadn't really stepped out in faith until somebody called you crazy. When you really step out in faith, somebody's going to say you're silly, you're crazy. Something's wrong with you mentally. But you're stepping out with crazy faith. Why? Because your God is much bigger than you are. I can make big steps and leaps out in faith because I serve a big God and his ways are above my ways and his thoughts are above my thoughts, even as far as the heavens are above the earth. So are God's ways above my ways and his thoughts above my thoughts. And now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I can even ask, think, or imagine. My mind cannot contain what God wants to do for me in my life. So until I have the resilience to dream past, I want you to do this, hashtag this, dream past your no. Dream past your no. Somebody's going to give you a no, dream past your no. When they say no, dream past it. When they say no, keep having faith past the no. When they say you can't do it, work even harder, strive even harder, dream even bigger, after you know, you have to keep going after you hear no. I also tell this to somebody who's right now who, who feels like money is their problem, money is their issue, that they don't have enough money. Well, baby, if you have enough money to fund your vision, you'll never get any more. That's all the money you'll ever need. Whatever you have right now, if you don't have a vision that is bigger than the money that you have right now, you, ne you don't need any more money. Because your money is adequate to your small vision. Why do you need any more money? You're out there saying, I need to win the lottery. I need a million dollars. Why? Because your vision is not sufficient enough to sustain the amount of money that you're asking for. Your vision ought to always exceed your money. Let me say that again. Your vision ought to always exceed your money. I'm talking about even spiritual ventures. I'm talking about impersonal ventures. You ought to have a, a, a dream. You ought to have a plan. You ought to have a vision that far out exceeds what you have right now. I'm not saying spend more than you have. That's different. I'm saying your vision for what you see yourself doing, for what you see, how you see yourself in God, ought to far outlast and extend far past what you have in your pocket, what you have in your bank account right now. And if it doesn't, it's time to dream bigger. It's time to get a bigger vision. It's time to see yourself a little more clearly the way God sees you because God has big plans for you. Hashtag that, God has big plans for me. Raise your hand and accept that word. I'm accepting it myself. God has big plans for me. I don't ever want you to confuse Complacency and contentment. Don't ever confuse complacency and contentment because there's a difference. Contentment is even after I've done everything that I possibly can, I'm going to be content with where God has placed me. Complacency is even with a lack of effort, I'll accept what I get. 
I'll accept what I get. Whatever life gives me, I'll accept it. Remember a few months ago, I was talking about the, the, the difference between being in neutral and being in drive. The person in drive is going forward. They're straining forward. They're, they're, work, they're leaning forward. They're doing everything they can to go forward and achieve what God has for them. The person in neutral is like, oh, if I go forward, if I go backward, it's okay. That's complacency. Contentment is I'm in drive. I'm pushing forward with all of my might, with all of my heart. I'm doing everything that I possibly can to achieve what God has for me. But if I'm not there yet, I'm still going to be content with what I have. But guess what? In the morning, I'm going to keep on driving. I'm going to keep on praying. I'm going to keep on dreaming. I'm going to keep on having faith. I'm going to keep on living with expectation. There is a difference between contentment and complacency. This woman, she, I, I told you she cried. I told you she did three things. She cried and, and begged the Lord for mercy. And Jesus ignored her. The disciples wanted her to be sent away. But then what did she do next? Next, she got down on her knees and worshiped and said, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Didn't say that she Praise the Lord. It said that she worshiped. It was not only a physical, it wasn't just a physical manifestation. But spiritually, those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Her spirit was connecting to who Christ was. in her spirit with Christos, the Christ, the, 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 the spirit of Christ that was on the inside of him. Her spirit was connecting with him in worship. She began to worship him. She got down on her knees and began to worship our Savior. She said, and the physical connection is not enough. My appeal to, uh, to, to, to mercy is not enough. I, I'm not trying. Lord, help me. First, she's connecting with him on a, on a familiar level. I know you're of the house of David. I know you're one of the children of Israel. She cried out for mercy. But here, this is Lord as a surrender. This was saying, Lord, as you're not only your position here on earth, but you're I'm recognizing you. My, my physical manifestation is telling me not only are you greater than me because you are a Jew, but I am getting down on my knees and worship and connecting in spirit and saying you are superior to me in spirit because you are my Lord. You're part of your God. As God, as the Lord, I'm recognizing you. I'm showing deference to you in spirit. Saying I need you. To help me. Then Jesus discloses to her and he's talking to her relative to mission, not relative to logistics. Logistically, he had already ignored her. But now relative to the mission, as she is connected with him on a spiritual level. He gives her the priorities of his spiritual mission. Remember, the disciples had bothered him and asked him to send her away. And then he retorts to the disciples, not to the woman. He's speaking to the disciples. But he's making a man. He's, he's talking about his spiritual mission, his heavenly mission. My heavenly mission at this point, remember, because it, it, it's key to understand this, because Jesus did not disclose this to everybody. Remember this. Jesus talked in parables and mysteries. He said that he often talked in, 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 in circular ways to confound those who were not part of the kingdom because he did not want them to know who he was. Remember, he was healing people and telling them, shut up, you're healed, but shut up, don't tell anybody who I am. But yet because this woman has worshipped, 
She is connected with him on a spiritual level where she is recognizing him as not Jesus, Mary's boy, but she is connected and recognized him as Christos the Christ. Then he opens up on a spiritual level to his real mission. Yeah, I'm not just Jesus, some boy that was born to Mary and Joseph. But I am the Christ and my heavenly spiritual mission is to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Yes, he's acknowledging openly. Yes, I am the son of God. Yes, I have been sent from God. Yes, I'm on a mission. But let me tell you what my mission is. It is only for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The woman just keeps on crying and recognizing him as Lord. And then Jesus says to her, verse 27, verse 26, he says, and he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But look at verse 27. Go with us to verse 27. here. Verse 27 says, and she said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs Eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. She first cried out to Jesus in mercy. She then knelt to him in worship. But now she's humbling herself. And showing her faith. Some of us, we got a little rowdy in that moment. I know he didn't call me a dog. Come on now. He's not going to disrespect me. He's going to put some respect on my name. The woman understood the moment was much bigger than that. She humbled herself. I think the is the, NI, the NIV version even, even gives, relates it even more succinctly and almost more disrespectfully. It says, as if Jesus was saying, it's not right for the children to take the, the bread from the children and to give it to their dogs. Not just a dog, their dog. Which is further subjugating this woman's order. We're saying not only are you not one of the children, but you are a dog that belongs to that child. Oh, that, that. you're talking about having to push past. No. You have, you're talking about having to push past being disrespected. You have, you're having to talk about absorbing, uh, uh, taking yourself to another level of humility. Some of, some of us, we haven't gotten to the place where, where God wants us to be because we're not humble enough. We haven't shown God humility in a moment. We're too concerned about how we look. Concerned about how people perceive us. Concerned about getting the amount of respect that we deserve. You're going to respect me. You're going to show me my respect. You're going to put a title in front of my name. Are we more concerned about that than completing our mission? Staying focused on what God has for her. This woman had, had, had she had a perfect excuse. And this goes back to my people in neutral. Those people who don't, who say they want to go forward, but they're looking at it for any excuse to go back. I told you we're raising a generation of quitters who these children are smarter than we are. are. They have greater access to information than we do, but a lot of times they encounter adversity and then they turn back immediately. Don't be like that. Don't find an excuse to quit because I promise you, if you're looking for an excuse to quit, you'll find it. You'll find it. I forgot who said, I think it was Henry Ford said something along the lines of, he who thinks he can and he who thinks he can't are both right. If you think you can, you can. If you think you can't, you can. If you're looking for a reason to quit, you'll find one. If you're looking for a reason to turn around, you'll find it. But can 
Can you be resilient in that moment? Can you push past a no? Can you push past adversity? Can you keep searching when it seems like your final door has closed? She cried for mercy and was ignored. She knelt in worship. And Jesus said, the promise is not for you. You're not one of the children. And the woman humbled herself and showed Jesus her faith in her last act. What else can I do? But humble myself before God and show him my faith. Jesus didn't respond to her cry for mercy. Didn't respond to her kneeling in worship. But he responded to her humbling herself in faith. When you think you've tried everything, have you humbled yourself in faith? Push past feeling disrespected. Push past what it looks like. Show true humility and contrition to God. Consecrated yourself to him. Let him know that he was most important. Let him know it was not about what it looked like. But it was about completing your mission. It was about showing God your faith. She said, some of the most dissected words that I feel in the Bible relative to any miracle. Particularly as it relates to how Jesus spoke to this woman. Something that you don't, don't, don't see anywhere else in the Bible like this said it's not meat to give the bread intended for the children and waste it with the dogs but she said even the dogs pursue the crumbs that fall from their master's table crumbs little pieces some translations bible dictionaries say scraps Crumbs and scraps. And some of us, we have a different idea of what scraps are as relative to crumbs. Some may think of scraps as just the leftovers as opposed to just simply crumbs. Either way, she's saying to the Lord, after those for whom your word is intended, she said, I'll take whatever is left. Whatever is remains, the remnant that you have left available to me, because in saying this, the woman was saying, there's something there that I can have. It may not have been intended for me, but I'll, I'll wait for whatever is left. But there is something that I can have. And the beautiful thing about the scraps, the crumbs, is that although the person has taken the larger part, there's a small part that is left. And how many of you know, have you ever eaten a meal that was so good? You enjoyed every part of the meal. And I just want somebody who has a child out there who, who has a sneaky brother or sister has you've been eating and you've been enjoying your plate and then somebody came along and took your last bite <laughs> you ever been there somebody asked for your last bite they asked for that last scrap and somewhere in your mind you had prepared it so much that you were waiting on that last bite you were waiting on that last piece to you sometimes that is the most satisfying piece that which remains, that which is left. And I'm telling you, this woman, she got somebody's last bite. She got somebody's last piece. She got a satisfactory portion because she was willing to wait on what was left. She was willing to wait and strive on what remained. She was resilient enough to wait until the end. When I was thinking of that, I couldn't help but think of the story with Jesus with the two fish and five loaves of bread. We're talking about eating. We're talking about scraps. We're talking about what is left. 
Jesus with the two fish and the five loaves. He, 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 he blessed it and he broke it. Yes, he blessed it and he broke it. He was able to feed 5,000 men, just the men. They don't even count the women and children. 5,000 men were fed from him breaking and blessing two fish and five loaves of bread. And guess what? There were some scraps left that day. There were some crumbs left that day. You know what the crumbs were? There were 12 baskets full of scraps of that which was left. Because little becomes much when it's in the master's hand. The Bible says despise not the day of small things. What we think is small may be a significant portion. Because God, he always does bigger than we expect. He always does greater than what we can anticipate. He meets us at our needs and he's able to do more with very little when we trust him in his hands. I'm going to share one of my favorite stories with you and I'm finished. Relative to our discussion of the crumbs and what's left. There was a little boy with his mother. They went to the drugstore. The mom picked up her prescription. And as she was picking up her prescription, as you often see, the, the kind pharmacist behind the counter saw the little boy that was with his mother and wanted to give him something. He said, son, he said, there's a candy jar right here. Why don't you reach in and get you a little candy? The boy, who's usually active and very talkative, seemed to be mute, mute in that moment. He didn't say anything. He almost looked at the pharmacist as if he did not understand. So the pharmacist repeat, repeated himself. He said, young man, uh, go ahead. There's, there's a jar of candy right here. Why don't you reach in and get some candy and take it with you as you go home with your mom? The boy still stood there as if he did not understand what was, what was happening, what, what the man was saying, as, as if he was speaking another language. And the pharmacist at this point just was overwhelmed. He, he didn't understand what was going on. So he himself grabs a handful of candy and gives it to the boy. The little boy perks up with great energy and a big smile. He opens his arms and accepts the handful of candy from the pharmacist and then he begins to stuff his pockets with all the candy that the pharmacist had given him. As they left the store and they stepped on the outside, the, the mother said to the boy, said, boy, you, you, you were embarrassing me. The man sat there and offered you candy all of these times and you did not take him. You looked as if you did not understand. What's wrong with you? Open your mouth and speak. Said, what, what were you doing? The boy said to his mother, he said, mom, his hands are much bigger than mine. The boy understood that if he reached in for himself and grabbed it, he would not get nearly as much as if the pharmacist extended his hand and gave him the amount that, where he was able to fill his pockets. What I'm telling you, despise not small things. God's hands are much bigger than ours. And even what may seem small to God, may be more than enough for us. May I pray with you? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for these few moments of destiny. Lord, where our hearts have encountered your word, help guide us in the way that you would want us to go. Let us not confuse contentment and complacency. Let us not go out over the bow of our own lives and say there is nothing when we just simply don't see anything. Lord, let us, let us be mindful that we have to push past the no, dream past the no, 
Live past the no. Continue to have faith and expectation even when we encounter no in our lives. And Lord, just because the last door that we see is closed doesn't mean that it's over for us. As long as we're drawing breath, as long as we're alive, we have purpose. And you'll make a way even when we don't see a way. And we know that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord, to them who are the called according to his purpose. There's someone out there today and you're not saved. You need to get your life right with God. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Bow your head, close your eyes wherever you are and lift your hands with me in this moment. Repeat and say with me, say, Lord, I am a sinner. I have fallen short of your glory. And I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry for all of my sin. Please forgive me. Lord, I need you to wash my heart. Wash my mind. Wash me all over, Lord. Create within me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Lord, I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ was crucified. He died and was buried but rose again with all power in his hand. And today, I claim him as my Savior and my Lord. Jesus, come into my heart and I'll make you my Savior and my Lord. If you said that prayer by faith, if you said it with commitment in your heart, then you are saved. Get connected to a body of believers. Get connected to a church. If you want to connect with us, just text Bright Temple all together, one word, Bright Temple, to 66866. You can connect and commune with us right now and become a part of this ministry, even at this moment. I pray that each of you were blessed by the words that you heard on this morning. Pray that you continue to live with great faith and expectation. And as a reminder to those who joined us late, we look forward to seeing you in person in the sanctuary at Bright Temple on next Sunday, next, which is Easter Sunday. We look forward to seeing you. And I look forward to seeing your shining faces. So please be blessed. Live with expectancy. Push, pray, and believe past your no until I shall see you again. Be blessed.